This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Of course, uh, last week we had Roy Henning on talking up everything about the uh, Great Lakes Dragway being open, the beautiful weather and whatnot. And uh, today they're closed. I'm here with Mayor Mitch in the studio yeah, with me. the weather is not going to participate, unfortunately, today. Now, I do know that it's not it's not as bad as they maybe thought, you know, a day or two ago. So right. the storm is tracking a little bit south of us. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, completely out of the woods, but we're only going to get a couple of inches, hopefully. I have to change my headphones. You're having trouble over there? Yeah, these things are not working. Uh-oh. I know. <laughs> I should have my own Disney headphones yeah. like somebody else here. Live radio where you... <laughs> Disney headphones, what? There you go. All right, I'm back. What's wrong so, with those ones? Uh, they were not working at all. Sometimes I know once in a while they get a short, you play with the wire and that, and it's like, huh. Ah, there that, we can, go. that can be a distraction for sure. It can be a distraction. So, uh, yeah, it just, um, it, it's not snowing yet, though. But they're saying three to six inches. And I was talking to my buddy in Chicago, and he says it's snowing there. They got the big flakes coming down, but it ain't really sticking. And, you know, we were talking about, no, it's kind of like, you know, Denver snow. You know, Denver yeah. gets all yep. this big. But then the next day it's like sixty. It's supposed right. to be like I think forty-seven, mid-forties tomorrow. On that, yeah, it's gonna so, melt. I, I mean, it's like okay, six inches of snow at any one time total. I mean, I don't know how they're measuring this yeah. stuff, but I really have it hard to believe that we're gonna have six inches of snow. So, so do I, because you look at the hourly projections or whatever, and it's only supposed to snow for five or six hours, maybe. Right. So you're telling me we're gonna get an inch of snow and per hour? That that's and a, then they're going, well, um, you know, the paved surfaces it might not stick to. Well Well it just snowed two weeks ago. It's gonna be right. just like that. It's yeah. where, where the it, roads aren't gonna be bad. No. Knock on wood. I mean it was kind of nasty two weeks ago, but the roads were just kind of wet. It's it's at this point it's more psychological. <laughs> it is. It's, it's it's depressing. I have a fu- puppet couple friends of mine that are just out of their minds they're just oh, i can't believe this they're just you know, well i just don't get how it can go from i mean yesterday was beautiful it was like almost 60 degrees it was windy right otherwise it would have really been feel nice. i was outside you can actually feel it step down yeah you know, and then all of after how, how do we go from 60 and sunny to 38 and crappy well i always give a story in fact i think the 
the local newspaper had a uh, an article on this, May 10th, 1990. I've, I've, I've talked about this before on my show. Um, I was working track safety at the time at Hills Corner Speedway, mm. and the California Racing Association was coming into town. They were making their first Midwest uh, tour into the Midwest. I wanted to see these guys. These are uh, real spring cars, no wings, good Good bunch of guys, good drivers and everything. I was really looking forward to this thing. I wanted to see this thing, these cars race around Hill's Corners. So I take the day off, and uh, I remember getting up, and it was real bright. I remember looking outside, and all I saw was, like, white. bright, but not sunlight. I'm like, that looks, you know, like you're, you're just waking up. You're like, something's not adding up here. And I remember getting up, looking out my bedroom window, and I'm like, oh, my God, there was about six in, six inches of snow on the ground. I'm like, ah. so now you're starting to do the, you're starting to go in your head thinking, well, but the high temperature today, it was supposed to have been at that time, I think 50. You know, so you're thinking, well, can this stuff melt enough so they can get hot laps in like maybe by five or six? But they called it. Oh, they might reschedule, blah, blah, blah. And uh, they, they didn't. So I was real bummed out. I was, re- I mean, it took you take the day off in May 10th to see race cars and it snows. That was now that got it in my head. That was really depressing. Yeah, in May, I I can see that, you know, but it must have melted by pretty much the end of the day, and that that's the only saving grace with this stuff coming today. So you know it's going to be gone probably by tomorrow afternoon. Right, and that that's the you know, and I like I said, I, I'm I'm kind of indifferent to it. I mean, what's the difference if it snows or you get that crappy all-day rain? I mean, that's just as bad to me at this time of year if it's like 38 degrees and rainy all day. Well, yep. that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, Just as bad. Right. Yeah, it is. That, it is. That's fair. So a lot, big show coming up today. A lot of stuff happening, not only in the world of racing, but just in the world of sports, too. So we're going to be talking uh, uh, Talladega. NASCAR is down in Alabama uh, running Talladega today. Xfinity Series tomorrow. The Cup Series. We'll be talking with uh, Dennis Michelson from uh, D Mike Media uh, coming up here in the next segment. We'll also be chatting with Jeff Orlowski, who's off today. If you notice, Mayor Mitch in studio, but he will be on. We'll be talking a little bit of racing with him and also some Packers because the draft is going on. And uh, if uh, right now they are on pa- uh, pick, pick one twenty three, one twenty three, and the Packers pick next at. 150. Now you're thinking, oh, it's good. Well, and, and on, on Saturday, it goes, what, every two minutes, I think? Yeah, it's they're it's, rifling. I mean, every time you look up, there's you're, yeah. you've missed three So picks. these picks go really, really quick. So there's a good chance 150. In fact, I know pick 150 will be during the show. We'll have to see when the next one is, too. And hopefully people have calmed down from Thursday night. Uh, there we'll was a lot about, of... I want to talk a little bit about that with Jeff, so... Because um, not only do we do this show, the the final inspection show, but we also do the Green and Gold uh, podcast show. So we'll be talking a little bit of Packers today and, and picking because uh, they got the fifth round pick, 150, and then the sixth round, 185. Might be able to get to that by 2 o'clock. We'll have to see. But uh, we have Packers have, with four picks today. Two sixth round picks. I think the one was Seattle's that came over in the yep. trade from Friday night. Yep. And then their seventh and their fifth. And we had four picks already today, and or this for this draft. I uh, picked number twelve, Rashawn Gary, which a lot of people are losing their minds over, including me. I feel a little bit better on it, 
better about it on Friday than it did Thursday evening. Uh, still not happy about it, but I understand why. doesn't make it right. Uh, the one I do like, though, is Darnell Savage. In fact, Eddie Lapine, we'll, we'll, which we'll be talking with in the second of the second hour, second part of the second hour, uh, he actually has a little bit of inside information on Darnell Savage. Really? Uh, Eddie, who lives down in Orlando, actually has a few uh, contacts uh, with some friends that work uh, through Central Florida. And, uh, you know, football is huge in Florida. So, oh, yeah. Uh, he's got some information he likes to pick, and we'll talk more about Eddie with that. And also, Jeff, like I said, Joe Ferlowski later in this uh, hour. And then uh, uh, Jenkins, the the guard out of Mississippi State, and uh, Jay Sternberger, tight end. It's it's amazing. Uh, real quick, I'll just mention this. I thought th- this was funny how, well, the Packers are not going to pick for need. We're going to pick the best player available. Huh. They needed a linebacker. They picked a linebacker. They needed a safety. They picked a safety. No, they needed a guard or offensive lineman. Guess what? They picked a guard and they needed the tight end. <laughs> Isn't that funny yeah, how it's that funny, worked out? Funny how that works out. I, I feel huh. like the NFL draft is something where you maybe draft a little bit more on upside in the uh, earlier rounds, right? I mean, or, I, I mean, how do you how do you feel about it? Because I, you know, it's such a crapshoot. The NFL. Pat- but is, pick, 12, these guys... pick 12, I want a sure thing. I want a guy. I want a high-motor guy. I, I want that guy. I don't want to hear, well, if. Well, if. I don't want, I don't want, you don't pick a guy with, well, if this happens or if this happens. No. I want, this guy is A, I want A's across all the, the, the points can we I him. mean can we let him let him get to a training camp first I mean just see what the guy what the guy I mean Tony Mandarich was a sure thing yeah he was and like I say best thing that ever happened to Green Bay you know my theory on that right well my theory do- on that is if they picked Barry Sanders they would have been mediocre and nothing would have happened Harlan would not have made the changes Ron Wolf wouldn't have came in and we yeah. would have been like the Detroit Lions so I w- sometimes you got to go to the bottom to get back to the top. Oh, and absolutely. That, and that's what the, the Packers did. Lions have done that, but it hasn't worked out that well. No. And with their picks, they've had, I'm not too, you know, they can have Matt Patricia. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And his beard. And so. his backward hat and his pencil. Yep. So I tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Dennis Michelson for those going, let's talk some racing. We're going to talk some racing. We're going to talk Talladega, bunch of stuff happening down there in Alabama today and yesterday, this weekend, the whole thing. So Dennis Michelson coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. Back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Unfortunately, Great Lakes Dragway is closed today due to the impending blizzard that we're supposed to be getting. Winter storm watch warning for southeastern Wisconsin. And also like to thank David Hobbs Honda, who I'm pretty sure is open today. So if you want to take a look at some new and or used cars at David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Road, make sure you check them out at davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from D-Mike Media, it is Dennis Michelson. Welcome to the show, sir. 
Z-Man, how the heck are you doing? Uh, pretty good. Uh, your Bears just picked up Riley Ridley from Georgia. Wide receiver. You pumped up about that? Well, they're not my Bears. I'm a big Chiefs fan. Oh, okay. And, uh, I'm in I'm in mourning uh, because uh, one of my guys is stupid. But, uh, but we picked up a good wide receiver to replace him. But, you know, my fiancé is a big Bears fan, and I know she's excited. She's been watching the draft all week long, enjoying every minute, and she really is pumped that they got Ridley. Hmm, interesting. Well, I, actually, I like I do like that pick. Um, Montgomery, meh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, remember I like the, that. Yeah, I uh, like the Montgomery pick. I, I really do. Um, he really is similar in um, his abilities to Kareem Hunt. Without, uh, hopefully, without the the domestic abuse uh, mm-hmm. instance. Um, so he was a good fit for Nagy's offense. Uh, the, the Bears did very well, uh, considering they already have gotten to use their first round draft pick from this year for a whole season, and they get to use them for another four seasons. Um, but uh, but no, it's uh, some very interesting stuff going in the draft. Some guys that were supposed to be, you know, the big hot shot picks that. That certainly lasted to day three, which uh, you know just shows how how well some of the uh, uh, some of the analysts do uh, when it comes to to picks. It is interesting how um, uh, you know with, with the Packers. Well, we'll 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 be talking more with uh, Jeff Orlowski in the next half hour about the Packers pick. But yeah, it is funny how some guys uh, just kind of seems like they're peeking over at the next next desk to see who where their picks because it's amazing how similar a lot of them are and I mean there's some that make sense uh with some of the picks in the, especially in the first round where guys it, it just seems natural uh there's a couple Raiders picks uh, like that and then you go you know with some of the other guys there there's always stuff that comes up and then there's always the medical issues too who gets cleared who doesn't get cleared you know some medical you know uh, some teams will wipe out guys for whether whether it's uh, a medical or whether it's psychological or they didn't like their interviews with them. So there's a lot of stuff that that we as a public or indoor media are not you know privileged to, and nor should we because that's you're trying to gain a competitive advantage, kind of like a lot of the teams are down at Talladega, right, with the new Wicker Bills. <laughs> oh, how hilarious that NASCAR goes ahead and they have to figure out a way to slow these cars down. They didn't want to do it with a smaller restrictor plate because mm-hmm. that whole thing, if they change the restrictor plate in the middle of a race weekend, it puts a lot of stress on the engine builders mm-hmm. because they get those engines set up just at the right uh, level of oxygen and right. fuel mixture. And in the past, when they have changed the restrictor plate, it's been a disaster. So I applaud NASCAR for at least thinking this one through of not making the easy change and do it to do the second most easy change. But they should have seen this coming. Speeds at Daytona were uh, rather precariously close to the magic number that NASCAR doesn't like to see. We were seeing drafting speeds over 201 at times on fresh tires. And that's a tougher track to get around than Talladega. They should have assumed, because in the past, it's always been about five miles an hour faster um, between Daytona and Talladega when the weather conditions are equal. 
and we're not getting a real hot, nasty, sunny uh, weekend of racing. So that track isn't getting super duper slick. So we are getting speeds. I mean, heck, we saw speeds topping off over 204, and that's getting dangerous. Because mm-hmm. we don't want cars to fly at, at Daldega, even though they love to brag about it in their promos shots. So. Yeah, that's the that's the funny thing is I always love the fact that NASCAR is very defensive and NASCAR fans especially are very defensive about the stereotype of racing fans only tuning in to watch the crashes. Yet when NASCAR is trying to pump up the excitement for a race, what do they show us? Crashes. They show us the crashes. And I know early in the uh, the promotional sequence for Talladega when they uh, a couple of weeks ago during the race. There was a promo that first aired, and you might notice that the current promo airing for Talladega is missing one of the longer clips of Bobby Allison going up into the catch fence. So the public uh, reaction to, hey, guys, we hurt people, and we almost ended stock car racing as Mm -hmm. we know it. Um, That's probably not a good thing to be promoting. Um, And they listened because they very quietly removed it from their promo there's still a little piece of that action from back in those days in, but they took away the big crash, which almost killed about uh, 20 fans in the grandstands and almost uh, killed their uh, their flag band as well. Um, one of the most unbelievable crashes that we'll ever see in NASCAR, and that's why they get nervous anytime speeds top 202. Her- Harold Kinder. Yes. Harold yeah, Kinder, who did not need that. a helmet. All he needed were a pair of goggles and short sleeve shirts. He was a man. And and you notice he didn't even flinch. No. He was waving the flag. He's, I mean, he you, you know, it, it, sound, it sounds kind of cliche saying, you know, NASCAR is made up of a bunch of, you know, real tough guys and heroes and whatnot. But Harold Kinder is one of those guys. You know, if, if, you, if you could go through the years of NASCAR talking to fellas both living and dead, I, I think Harold Kinder's easily on your top twenty-five list. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's uh, you know, safety. Thank God is is thought of in a a lot uh, you know higher regards now. But um, you know, you look at what everybody did in racing. You know, from the photographers being right out there, close, much closer to the track than they are now. The first Daytona five hundred. They're right on the. <laughs> They're right, they're right in, in the grass. Yeah, they're right literally on the track. Yeah. It could have been insanity. like bowling pins if somebody lost it there. Uh, oh, yeah. And I love the old pictures of Formula One. Some of the Formula One races from like sure. the Nurburgring back in the 60s. And you see these guys literally, you know, leaning their cameras out as these cars are coming by them a few feet away. They would have been toast if uh, if they would have gone off the track. But. Yeah, thankfully we've gotten away from being stupid, and uh, safety is a big deal in the sport. And that's why these wicker bills went on. The interesting thing is, while the intent is to slow the cars down, it doesn't seem to be doing much good based on the practice speeds we saw late later in the day yesterday. What it has done, remember the last win for Dale Earnhardt Sr. in in 2000, in the in the fall of 2000 when they had that big thing, that, that plate sticking up on the roof yeah. of all the cars. Was, and is that what Kenny Wallace a, pushed them? Correct, correct. Yeah. Went from like uh, 17th to 1st in like 12 laps, mm-hmm. you know. And, and the whole reason was the cars back then pushed 
such a big hole in the air. And then when you put this other thing on top, the closure rate of cars coming up from behind was in, just absolutely incredible. And the same thing is happening now with these wicker bills and this huge spoiler on the back uh, that they're using this year. So I have a feeling we're going to see a little better race than we've seen at Talladega the last couple of years, because quite frankly, the restricted plate racing in NASCAR um, the last couple of years before this year uh, was getting a little ordinary. Um, I kind of like the old two-man tandem stuff because it gave us some insanity. Um, Since they did away from the two-man tandem, it's gotten almost a little predictable. I think we're going to throw that all out the window this year. I think you're going to see with the bigger spoiler and now this wicker belt, you're going to see them punching this big hole, and you're going to see a lot of passing. It's a 500-mile race. You'll have about 300 miles while they'll settle down. But the beginning uh, 100 miles and the last 100 miles, I think, is going to be a barn burner tomorrow. Well, hopefully it will be better than that ARCA race last night because that ARCA race was just, (laughs) those last 20 laps was just brutal. The only becoming thing about that was that seeing Todd Gilliland, who's had the worst luck uh, on the NASCAR side and somewhat on the ARCA side too, win the race. I was only saving grace for it because that was just brutal where hardly anybody could make a move. And unfortunately, we've seen that at a, at a, quite a few of uh, the super speedway races in ARCA, haven't we? Well, you know, the last couple of years, most of the races have been really, really good. But the same problem uh, that NASCAR's got on the opposite side, having too much speed, uh, ARCA kind of dialed down their engines just a little too much for Talladega. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we saw sort of the ordinary racing there um i thought the arca race at at daytona this year was one of the better races of speed weeks but you know i i also kind of thought that with a little wide open you know more of a wide open track like talladega you're going to see a big break plus you only had like 12 competitive cars right and then you had a big drop off uh after that um the draft equalized it a little bit but at the end of the race, you saw the the, the four car was the he was a class of the field. You certainly was, and a little bit of in, incident with Christian Exus, uh, Eckerson, and Moffat getting together going into pit road, which we've seen uh, in ARCA. You kind of go, okay, these are inexperienced drivers. This is how you get your experience driving ARCA, and then somewhat even with the uh, Xfinity series. But we, we we have seen that in a lot of uh, quite a few super speedway races over the last couple of years, haven't we? Yeah, and uh, years ago, I was a little bit um, critical of ARCA because of the spotters. Um, Unlike in NASCAR, where you almost have to earn your way up in the track sizes, as a NASCAR spotter, you have to have a resume. You have to get approved to go to a bigger track. In ARCA, it's been pretty much, hey, are you breathing? Do you have a radio with a battery? We'll, We'll let you be a spotter, and, you know... I understand that because sometimes guys can't show up or ladies that are supposed to be there can't show up and you got to put somebody in at the last minute. Uh, I've seen it happen at ARCA races and it's fine if you're running Salem. It's okay if you're running Winchester or Berlin, but when you get to the big super speedways, we've seen in the past, you know, we saw some disasters years ago in practice at Charlotte when 
back in the day, they didn't even have to have a spotter up on the roof for practice. Um, and we saw some tragedies there at, at Charlotte years ago. And, you know, it's not that Arkansas is doing anything bad, okay? Mm-hmm. It's just... It's just that they could do it a little bit better. I wonder how much it was the spotters, and I also wonder how much it was the inexperienced drivers. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, they have to start somewhere. They, if they're going exactly. to race the super speedway, they've got to try it out somewhere. It's not like you know a short track where you can work your way up from a street stock to a limited late model to a late model, and then you're ready for an ARCA car. In a super speedway, there's no such thing. So ARCA is where you're going to learn and where you're going to make your mistakes. And they've done a really, really good job, though, of upping the safety in that series. Especially uh, Ron Drager. Yes. Especially yeah, after Ron that Drager, hit yesterday from Tommy Vi Jr. That was a very oh hard goodness. hit. Yeah, yeah and they're, running, they're still running the old generation cars. Remember that. Um, case in point, the car that Andy Sice ran at Daytona, started out as a Bush Grand National car, and yes, I, it was a Bush car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 20 years old, that chassis was. And so you're looking at cars that are old-fashioned. They're not the newest technology, but ARCA has mandated so many safety additions within the car and for the driver's compartment that that's why we got to see a guy walk away instead of seeing a tragedy. So, you know, ARCA has done a magnificent job of keeping these old generation cars on the track, but making them safe. Well, personally, and especially with that Tommy Vaya incident, for those who may not have seen it, kind of got crossed off uh, on the front straightaway where it curves around and uh, kind of did a reverse hit into the inside wall, almost side on, which is a very, very dangerous crash in whatever type of race car you're running in. But one of the biggest things for that help in, in these stock cars and that are those seats, the wraparound seats and that, you know, they, 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 you know, especially with the head protection and the Hans devices and that, those are the things that have improved driver safety so much because 20, 30 years ago, that could have been a very, very serious injury. So, Oh, yeah, and hitting that safer barrier that's there because, mm-hmm. you know, guys like Kyle Busch have been crash test dummies in the past, hitting that inside wall down there where, I didn't think anybody could hit that wall right. because it was such a long way away from the track. But, you know, Daytona has done, or uh, I should say, Talladega has done such a good job of discovering these places that, you know, drivers have found ways to hit the inside walls, and they have done it. You know, they see an accident at Daytona, their sister track, and they look at their vulnerabilities on their tracks as well. And they've done a really good job. And, man, he... That was a big hit for for him because that's a dirt mod driver from upstate New York. Um, So, again, a guy who's, you know, just getting the hang of super speedway racing in big stock cars. And, boy, he he got a lesson about, you know, overcorrecting perhaps because he took a big hit. Well, that's how you learn then. You know that's what that's why you're out there trying to get the experience, uh, Dennis. I'm talking with Dennis Michelson from uh, D Mike Media. Dennis, let's take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk some surprise uh, Talladega winners in the past at Talladega. When we come back in the final inspection show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. 
This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Ob's Honda. Joining me once again is Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. And Dennis, what's your earliest memory of Talladega? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I remember tuning into an ABC Wide World of Sports replay of part of the very first race at Talladega. So, you know, in between cliff diving from Acapulco mm-hmm. and the World Wrist Wrestling Championships <laughs> from Petaluma, we saw about 15 minutes of the racing action from uh, Talladega. Um, and, of course, that was the big race that was kind of a big deal because it almost didn't happen. Um, when they first opened this track, everybody was frightened of the speeds. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Only in this case, they didn't think the tires would hold up. Big Bill France himself, who, of course, was a stock car driver, but not one who ever competed on super speedways, took it upon himself to grab a helmet, hop in the car, and turn some laps and kept going faster and faster and faster and then parked it on pit lane and said, okay, guys, what's your problem? An old man can go out and run. Why can't you? And, of course, there was a driver's strike, and it led to one of the most memorable upset wins of all time, uh, Mr. Brickhouse there getting the win. Um, and, no, not the same Brickhouse that went on to be a, uh, a Chicago Cubs and Bears announcer. This is a whole, new, <laughs> whole different guy. But, um, but Richard Brickhouse uh, getting the win, not Jack. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of upset along the years, but, Man, it, it's been a while. The My most memorable of all was we tune into this race to see the big one, and there was a year that uh, that Mark Martin went caution-free and won the race. Um, so That's about 97? I think it was 90. 97. I think yeah. it was 96 or 97 or 98. It was mm-hmm. in the late 90s. And uh, just remember, he had, he had set the record for the fastest speed, uh, average speed of a race because they absolutely went caution-free. And yes, boys and girls, that was a time before stage racing. That's why they didn't have any cautions, and they didn't have any wrecks either. Yeah, there's there's been quite a few uh, upsets over the years. Uh, one, one of the coolest cars that, that ever ran was the old uh, Mercury of James Hilton, James Harvey Hilton, uh, 1972, and the Pop Cola, number 48 Mercury, uh, who he nudged uh, Ramos Stott from Keokuk, Iowa, to win uh, the race in 72. There's some other ones, whether it's uh, Dick Brooks, who a lot of people may remember as a pit reporter uh, for MRN, uh, but he was also a driver. Uh, Lenny Pond won. Uh, there's been Bobby Hillen Jr., uh, Ron Bouchard in that Race Hill Farm, which is actually a pretty decent team. Ron Bouchard was a legend on the East Coast. Um, and, uh, Bo- I mean, my buddy Bones Borsier actually did a book on Mr. Bouchard. There's been Phil, uh, Phil Parsons, uh, won a race. Uh, 
and uh, Brian Vickers. Who can remember him? And then why one of the bigger upsets was uh, with Brad Keselowski winning in the uh, – that, who is that? James, uh, was that James Finch, I think, right, that 09 car? Yes. Yeah. Yep, that was that, was that part-time team and ended up being that huge wreck that almost threw uh, Ryan Newman's car into the stands that year. And, of course, left uh, it, and he had actually another car land, end up landing on top, top of Ryan Newman after that. It was just a, a horrendous wreck. Oh, Carl Edwards. Carl Edwards flying. Yeah, Carl you know, Edwards, he yeah. yeah. Fence. He landed on, on Ryan Newman's car and then, of course, you know, celebrated uh, uh, Talladega Nights by getting out of the car and, and running across the, uh, the start-finish line. Um, but, yeah, and, and there's even been other ones. Well, it wasn't his only win, but it was the only year he ever won, and I think it was 1984, uh, and Jimmy Spencer, old Mr. Excitement himself, won at Daytona and won at Talladega. His only two victories. Oh, that was um, at restrictor play racing. 94. That was a 27, 94. 27 yeah. car, right? Uh, was the yeah. um, red, red with yellow numbers, right? Yeah, that was a that was a you know Jimmy was a a terror to win almost every week mm-hmm. for a few years there, but always had the always seemed to have a problem and really did live up to his name of Mister or his nickname of Mister Excitement. Give me give me a dark horse today. Who who do you think would be a, a dark horse oh. winner akin to like a James Hilton or Dick Brooks or somebody like that? Yeah, Guido Di Benedetto would be my, my mm-hmm. upset pick. That team has been running really, really good each and I, every week. I totally you agree. At, yep. Yeah, you look at the way they've been running, and he's certainly a, uh, a guy. And the other guy is uh, Daniel Hemrick, another guy who's been running pretty good each and every week. Um, but it would be a huge upset to see him in victory lane. But those are two guys that I actually think have a, have a pretty decent shot of being around all day long because they're really, really good restrictor plate racers. Um, another guy that would be kind of an upset, but not as huge of an upset, is uh, good old Eau Claire, Wisconsin's Paul Menard. He's another very good restrictor plate track racer. And, uh, you know, we don't think of him on most weeks, but this is the kind of week that he could step up and be strong with the Wood Brothers car as well. Well, let's do this. Give me, Give me a money pick and then give me an upset pick. Well, my money pick is going to be Joey Logano. Um, okay. I think he's going to be strong again uh, this week, and, and those Fords have been just really, really you know, good and should be good with any kind of rule package. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, with Menard as sort of my sleepy oh, long okay. shot there, and then Di Benedetto is my ultimate long shot because he's sure. got to be paying off big in Vegas this week. Okay, very good. Dennis, uh, what's the latest at D-Mike Media? Well, getting all fired up for the opener for the uh, Chicago Wildfire next week. So we'll have Wildfire Fever, our podcast about Ultimate Frisbee. And we'll also be uh, having the Race Monitor Business of Speed show. If you missed it this week, Tim Frost from the National Speedway Directory and and businessofspeed.com stopped by to talk about the Congressional Motorsports Coalition. Uh, run run uh, now by uh, uh, Bill Foley, a uh, congressman from the 8th District in, in uh, Daytona. He's the guy that uh, passed a state law back in the day to uh, seal autopsy records. 
uh, okay. during the, the Dale Earnhardt deal. He's now he's been in the uh, in the uh, uh, the House of Representatives in Washington D.C. and he organized a uh, coalition of motorsports uh, heavy districts and to instruct everybody that it doesn't matter what your district is around the country, you probably have a grassroots racetrack or drag strip in your district. So he's been doing a wonderful job uh, in Congress to help motorsports. Okay, very good, Dennis. Certainly appreciate it. We will chat with you next week, sir. All right, man. You be good. All right, thank you. All right. That was Dennis Michelson joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When we come back, we'll talk with Jeff Orlowski coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. The final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway, along with David Hobbs Honda, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline because he is going for Father of the Year from Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. It is Jeff Roloski. Welcome to the show, sir. Oh, thank you, Steve. How are you doing today? Good. It sounds like I hear kids running around. And it sounds like soccer. Yeah, yeah, a little, uh, you know, wintertime soccer game here in the uh, fall. I'm really surprised they didn't cancel it with the threat of snow. Yeah, all my other kids' stuff all got canceled today, except this one soccer game. So, time to get everybody sick and watch a little soccer. <laughs> this is the one time of year where we kind of stray a little bit, because just because it's going on right now, and that's the NFL draft, we usually insert some football talk onto the final inspection show, and, and uh, you and I do the Green and Gold Then and Now podcast also that's available and uh, we'll be doing a podcast uh, later this week, this coming week. But I wanted to get your opinion on some of the, the picks and the Packers and where we're at with the number 12 pick. They picked uh, Rashawn Gary from uh, uh, from the defensive side from uh, Michigan. What's your opinion on that? Uh, not a big fan. I thought that uh, they definitely reached on that pick. Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but we're going to take a defensive end and now play him in a mm. totally different mm. position. So it seems like, uh, you know, Gudikins definitely has a little bit of Ted Thompson in him. Uh, we've been there, we've done this, and it hasn't worked out. So, uh, you know, am I cautiously optimistic? Sure. I hope it's great. I hope he uh, ends up walking into the Hall of Fame one day. Uh, does it make me very, very nervous? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. That's the same way I think, too. And I think I think the problem was there was a couple of things. I think the the, the three guys they wanted were, were gone. They tried to trade back. Nobody would trade back, and they were kind of stuck. You're like, oh, boy, what do we do now? And, and it's like, well, I guess we got to go pick. You know, So it's one of those, that, and we've had this with fantasy football, right? You got three guys. You, there's there's four picks left, and there's three guys you want, and then there's a bunch of other guys, and then boom, 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 the three guys are gone, and you're like, oh, man, now what? You know, because you're thinking one of those guys have to be available, and I think that was the situation with Ed Oliver, Devin Bush, and Jonah Williams. You know, it's like those they were to, they would have picked one of those three guys, at least in my opinion, or I would have if I was pulling the trigger. And they couldn't do that, could they? So, um, and and nobody would trade with them. You know, but would you have picked the Christian Wilk Wilkins from Clemson? 
Yes. Yes, I would have. Uh, I would have even, even though he ended up falling way, 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 way farther down, I would have gone with Sweat right there as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, the the talent that he's got alone speaks for itself. The fact that they said that the enlarged heart issue uh, was the result of a bad test and he didn't have the enlarged heart. Well, here's uh, this is this is what's what's weird about this. Okay, I heard enlarged heart, but actually I also th- heard it was the thickening of the wall of the heart, which can be an issue, but that's usually later. So, I mean, did they miss? So I'm wondering, you know, get get the kid retested then. I mean, this is so important. You hear about all this money. You're putting all this money into these players and that. I mean, I, there's 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 a lot more there. I wish we could answer some more questions. Like because yeah, I would have gone with Sweat, but I definitely would have wanted him tested a little bit more. And well, when you're the NFL, and if a guy just even twists his knee, he's getting an MRI like yeah. two hours later. They've got all the money in the world. It's not like it's a huge expense for them to retest this kid. So for them to sit there and the day of the draft to come out and say that their medical testing system is flawed and now this guy doesn't have an issue, if you're Montez Sweat, how do you not sue the NFL? Because that cost him millions upon sure. millions of dollars. Sure, and you wonder if, if something's, you know, if uh, there's some guy in a dark suit, you know, goes to his agent and say, uh, here's an envelope. Uh, let's just forget about this. <laughs> Cause oh, you wonder, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's like, no, nah, let's not just talk about this. Now, the second pick, they traded up to get, uh, I, and I love this pick, Darnell Savage Safety, uh, because it looks like uh, if you look at some of the mock drafts and some of the, the scuttlebutt you've been hearing, that he probably would not have been there at 30. And because uh, you look at the Raiders, supposedly the Raiders and the Chargers and possibly the Seahawks were looking at him. And so they went and got this guy. And the more and more I read about him is this is the kind of guy you wanted the Packers to get in, at, at, you know, with the 12th pick. You know, you, you want a guy with a motor. I like this pick a lot more than I like the Rashawn Gary pick. Uh, I think this kid, you know, I think he does have a chance to be impactful on the defense day one. Uh, I do think that they reached on him. I think that, uh, you know, there was talk that even the Colts were were in play uh, and possibly the Ravens as well. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where if you reach on a guy, especially when you're a young GM, your first excuse is going to be, well, he wasn't going to be there by the time we picked. We knew that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, do I believe that he wasn't going to be there? Not really. Uh, but, you know, it's a good way for, for Gudikins to CYA and, uh, and try to make his pick look a little better. But I do think he can step in. You know, safety is a definite area need. It's one of those positions where we have, uh, the Packers have drafted and they've swung and missed so many times in the defensive backfield that a they're just due to have one of these guys work out, and hopefully you know he turns into not like Kevin King. You know, hopefully this guy can stay on the field and make significant contributions. I personally am so tired of them wasting picks on the defensive backfield year after year after year 
it'd be nice to actually get some better and, you know, higher skill position guys uh, instead of trying to shore up the same position every single season. It, it does get frustrating. You know, it's been so long. I think it's been almost uh, 10 plus years since they, 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 or not 10 years. I think 2011 was the last first round pick. Did I hear that right? Well, Aaron Rodgers was the last first round pick on offense that they have used. <laughs> and uh, so that, you know, you do the math, there's eight in a row on defense and our defense is awful. Yeah. So, it, you know, they've swung and missed so many times. It's, it's embarrassing at this point. And, uh, you know, it, it makes you worry about some of the picks that they have just used in the last few years. Josh Jones, here, here was another guy. He was supposed to be in the defensive backfield, and, oh, he could play linebacker. He could play this position, that position. He hasn't played any position well. Well, and everybody – but here's the thing. Everybody loved that pick, including I think both of us loved it. You know, we were thinking, oh, yeah, this could work out, but – Well, that's why I said the Packers are due to finally hit on somebody – and uh, I really hope so because I it gets tiring repeating the same draft at the same positions every single season. I will tell you I am glad that they picked up a tight end. Uh, I'm glad they did not use either of their first round or their second round picks on a tight end. I think that's a waste. Right, so do I. Uh, to draft somebody that high for that position. So it seems like the kid they got that uh, Sensenberger or whatever his name is. Sternberger. Uh, Sternberger uh, seems like, you know, he's a, a good pass-catching tight end. Uh, he kind of fits into the mold of another tight end that we have that doesn't like blocking. Uh, so, you know, well, that's the Packer way. It's so funny. All these all these top-end, you know, first, you know, your, your first 10, 15 tight ends or everybody, well, they don't like to draft. Or, I mean, they, they don't like to block. Well, that's why they're catch pass. They they catch. They're not blocking tight ends. Of course, they don't like to block. Would you rather you know? Would you rather run a, an out at at fifteen yards and catch a nice pass, or would you rather you know be chipping linebackers? I mean, which one's more fun, right? Well, which one's more fun, and which one's going to get you paid more? Exactly. So prolific offensive numbers, because that's what's going to get you paid in the long run. So. I definitely understand it, uh, but, you know, there is a need at that position to have a good blocker, and uh, he just kind of fits what we already have, but hopefully his talent level uh, separates him and will make him rise to the top. Okay, we're coming up at the top of the hour, and we're a few picks away from the Packers pick. Would you, would you want to hang over through the top of the uh, through, through the sports flash? Sure. Let's do that. Let's hang on to Jeff. On the line here, we're at pick 144. Packers are picking at 150. These things are going at about two minutes, so let's take a break here. We'll do a uh, sports flash with Mayor Mitch. Then we, when we come back, we'll report live on the air the Packers pick number 150 in the fifth round here on the final inspection show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic. And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 